0: Welcome to machine learning, and uh, you know this week uh, was a pretty busy week in terms of data extractions and things like that. So I didn't do a lot of work in Flutter, or um, but I did read quite a few articles about uh, um, um, about the coronavirus and. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's uh, interesting when they, the, Trump declared the national emergency, um, that uh, when you listen to each one of the points in terms of relief, and in terms of funding, you know, there is no free money. and never has been, and uh, there probably never will be. And, uh, but it it is interesting that, uh, that the government is looked at by many people um, as a source to solve the problem. And, um, um, it's, the innovations occur with the small companies. And, uh, it's interesting because I, I, um, have been following a, a number of different, uh, possible cures for vaccinations. Um, but, uh, they run into a lot of barriers. Um, there was uh, there's one, the, the ones three, there's three that I know of. Uh, one is Israel, the megal uh, vaccination. Uh, there was a second one, a man, he, uh, he discovered a, a vaccination or he was close to a breakthrough on a vaccination for the coronavirus. He had done, he had done work on the Ebola virus. But he found a, a vaccination that worked well with Corona. Uh, but he didn't. He couldn't raise capital funds four years ago, and uh, so a lot of the research and a lot of the materials uh, was shelved. Uh, but he was claiming that uh, um, he was claiming that uh, the um, uh, he, I guess he spoke before the Congress and said that uh, you know that he had found uh, he had found research and was seeking funding and he was a little he was a little frustrated because he was saying that you know this could have possibly been prevented if they had got through the breakthrough and got the the private funding uh or the government funding to to build the vaccination so there's a lot of uh interesting and the third one was done by uh, a Kaggle research uh competition and they took uh data and they were looking at drugs that uh could be used um, for the uh, coronavirus, and one was by Gilead Science, uh, Remdesivir, Res- and um, and so that uh, it showed they they did some tri- uh, they had some grace uh, treatment that was done in, in Washington, and one of the man, the first man who got the coronavirus, he had. Uh, Recovered partially from or fully from the, uh, the virus, and uh, uh, it was through the use of this drug. And um, but the problem is, is the drug is in I think third phase FDA approval process, and and so there uh, it can't be used in large in a large commercial production until it, it's past the FDA and so you know there's a lot of pressure on the FDA right now to review the data and, and see if this drug can be used for um, the consumer consumers to, to help fight the uh, coronavirus and what it does is it blocks the coronavirus's ability to attach to the cell so the way the coronavirus and, and all of the viruses work is they, they have receptor, they have receptor points, antigens, um, and, uh, the, these, uh, these receptor patterns are found by the virus. And then the virus has a mechanism for injecting, uh, DNA material into the cell. And then, um, the, it takes over the chromosomes, uh, or ribosome and chromosomes manufacturing capability and uh, causes the proteins to be different. And so now then the cell starts to replicate these incorrect patterns in the, in the, at the DNA level. And, and that leads to things like, uh, a flu-like symptom or a cold um, and pneumonia and that to me seems to be the big concern is that um, is that if you get the the viruses that uh, you know that you're get your you're hydrating uh, properly and uh, and you're not uh, uh, you quarantine yourself and you're, so you're not coughing on other people and uh, being careful about the things that you touch and, and sanitizing the things that you do touch, but uh, yeah, so it, it kind of it kind of reminds me uh, when I was in college, I was thinking about uh, viruses and and they look like uh, little robots and they act like little robots. Um, they don't; they're not living organisms, but yet they function. They can function, and they have. Uh, you know they enter in your your body uh, through different transport media you know whether it's uh, fluids or, or you know, my touch or something like that or, and so they uh, but they' if you look under an electron microscope they're not moving around they they're Looked like little pieces of machinery, and uh, and what when they were describing it, it looked like a uh, hexagonal shape with legs on it. And uh, and very surprised that uh, how something that looked inanimate could cause sickness, but uh. It, uh, one of the uh, things I was reading about with the machine learning and, you know, looking at different uh, ways for detecting heat signatures, um, which do not indicate that the person has the virus. It just indicates that they are at risk. But uh, there was was different commercial companies like FLIR, FLIR that manufactures a thermal uh, scanner and then there was infrared scanners and what and what these scanners are doing is they have to measure the temperature one um, cell at a time on the on the on the grid so they have an array and each cell is measuring a particular temperature scan to a surface and so then it shoots out a lot of uh, uh, beams uh, in an array and then creates a a heat map and um, the what the one of the uh, commentators was saying on YouTube is that uh, the only area on the face really that can be used to determine temperature is the tear ducts. That's the best area for determining temperature on the face. And then I I looked at uh, um, another uh, YouTube and it was talking about how they had uh, different thermal cameras and um, these cameras could be calibrated to uh, change the color of the image to red if it fit a certain temperature range so like in the normal range it would be white and in the uh, upper temperatures if they were running a fever it would be red and they showed people walking by the camera and the camera was able to detect that that, uh, there are different surface areas on the person's face that were lit up in red that were indicating that there was a a fever that was going on so uh, uh, those were some kind of interesting things that i I saw about thermal cameras and uh, you know there was an article about is a thermal camera really different from an infrared camera And uh, the infrared is measuring uh, light vacancies at a certain wavelength. So the shorter wavelengths um, are visible on this camera. And so the idea is something that's hot is going to have a a shorter wavelength. The atoms are going to be more active, so it's going to be emitting a shorter wavelength. And so the infrared works a little different than the thermal scanner, which is attempting to measure temperatures uh, at a single point on a surface. Uh, Infrared is looking at different wavelengths, and then based on those wavelengths, uh, making conclusions that something is hot or something is cold. Um, these are technologies that have been employed in different areas of the world to try to reduce or contain the uh, spread of the coronavirus and so when you look at the innovations it's very interesting how quickly different technologies that have been used uh, in manufacturing have been quickly adapted to looking for uh, patterns of Heat signatures in areas where there's lots of people, like airports and schools, possibly and uh, railroad stations. But uh, um, and and from what I understand, the, the this virus is not transmitted through the air. It's it's uh, only by touch, and and then usually by touching your face or something like that. that uh, that it's transmitted into your body. So um, the the other interesting aspect that I, I studied this week that I found was interesting is the idea of exponential growth, and that part was a little bit more um, revealing. I like studying data, and uh, and I did uh, find read a number of articles on on the. Um, how rapid the growth of the the transmission has been and uh, one article said that uh, for every one person infected 2.5 other people will be infected and so that would suggest that the contact ratios uh, would be spreading very quickly and so there was a there's a certain latency between the time that you uh, are infected and the time that you're contagious, um, and so the the um, the numbers that are being reported are numbers that are people that are uh, in the probably in the uh, fever state, and then they're going to see the doctor, and then those numbers are are reported, and then. Um, so one other article that was very revealing uh, talked about the mortality rate and the death rate and using the death rate um, and to calculate what the actual infection count was. And it's like 800 to one. And so uh, you could calculate number of infections based on the number of deaths that have occurred. According to this article and that was a, a much larger number and I was telling a lot of my friends you know that this thing is going to be much more serious than um, is being reported because the numbers that are being reported are what actually have been identified and measured but the actual counts are probably much larger due to the fact that when you see uh, the death count going up, then it's an indication that the infection count is much larger in the population than is being reported. Uh, So uh, if that is true then we need to take stronger precautions. Now we can't be saying well we're at the we're at the beginning stage of this this virus uh, uh, spread but we need to be looking and thinking that uh, we're, we're much more advanced, that there's much, there are many more uh, cases in the world than are actually reported. And so, <clears throat> based on that number, you know, we're there's probably millions of contaminations that are infections that have occurred in the world, and not hundreds of thousands. <coughs> and uh, so it's a much more serious problem. And uh, I do appreciate that Trump uh, did suspend all travel and, and commerce between the US and Europe and uh, encouraged uh, for more research and the vaccination. And, uh, and those things are very urgent and we'll need to, to do that. But you know, I've been thinking also that uh, what if you do get the, this virus and uh, let's say the hospitals are are full and you can't get in, you know, there's a, like if you look at the, the number of beds that a hospital has and then calculate how many people could get sick um, and then you realize that you can't get into a hospital, what are some of the measures that you'd want to take? Well, um, I think you'd want to have something for fever, Uh, you'd want to have plenty of fluids that you could drink, you know, maybe uh, Gatorade or Powerade or something that you don't want to be drinking carbonated drinks But you'd want to drink, uh, or sugar drinks, you'd want to drink water or something. And I was reading this one article that a friend sent that uh, said that, uh, you know, that uh, take small sips of water during the day because those small sips of water uh, can flush down the, any of the virus that might be in your mouth or, or lingering there. And uh, once it's in your stomach, then it kills the virus because of the acids. Another thing that uh, was interesting was that the virus doesn't like sunlight. You know, it's like a vampire virus doesn't like sunlight. And so, you know, getting plenty of sun and vitamin D is important. And I go out and exercise. I want to keep myself, I don't want to isolate myself in a closet or a cave and not uh, get uh, fresh air and exercise. And I want to keep myself healthy, so I want to eat properly and I want to keep my immune system strong, uh, get plenty of sleep, Hydrate. Uh, hydrate get out in the sun, get through vitamin D. And those type of things uh, are smart. And I think, you know, we have to be careful about getting too scared, uh, froze up in the media. You know, I've set some boundaries. Uh, Those are important tactics. Boundaries are very critical. Uh, My wife and I, we decided that after 8 o'clock no discussion of coronavirus because we were finding that we were talking till 11, 12 o'clock at night about this thing. And, you know, there was, you know, there was some interesting debates that were going on. And, and um, you know, I was talking about numbers and things that I had heard. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those type of things where um, you're kind of shocked in the reality of could this really be happening? This doesn't seem like it should happen this way. We always have flu. The flu is not uh, nearly, uh, has never been this this big of a, a scare. But uh, I was listening to a guy out of Boston on YouTube and he was a doctor and they were interviewing him and they were saying, well, you know, you look at the number of cases of Influenza in the world, and how many people die from that, you know, and then you look at the, the death count of Corona. Can we really be alarmed that a Corona, you know, can get this thing contained, uh, slow it spread down? And, and, uh, and then he pointed out that the difference between influenza and Corona is that Corona is, 19 is, Ten times more lethal than influenza, and so his point was is that you would have a, you're going to have a lot higher death count for the population that's been infected. And so that was uh, that was kind of an eye opener there. That yeah, we do because I've heard some people make comparisons to influenza, and they, you know say, well, why why you get alarmed when you, know, you get influenza, but the and you survived the flu. I've survived the flu. We've had kids that have survived influenza before. Uh, my wife was talking to me earlier about how uh, at least three times we've, we've survived influenza. But uh, Corona is 10 times more lethal than influenza. And so that's a, an eye opener. That that fact, uh, if proven is true, uh, would be a, uh, something to be a, Explain why the mortality rate for Corona seems to be in that three, two to three percent in, in the U.S. and uh, in poorer countries at six percent. So there, there is this growing feeling that we need to help the poorer countries because they don't have the facilities uh, to care for those who are sick, and we want to to take care of the sick because it slows down the spread of the infection. And and, uh, and so that's an important factor here. Another important factor I read this week uh, that uh, there was another article that was somewhat interesting and it said that uh, there was some reoccurrence that occurred. So there was a man in Wuhan and he had been... um, I th- believe he had been quarantined in his apartment for 45 days and uh, he had the, the virus and, and then um, the Chinese officials tested him and said that he was clean and so the apartment complex had a party for him. They they had a cake with a clean flamingo. They had flowers and they celebrated you know, his uh, was released from his quarantine, and, and uh, the next day he was sick. And uh, the officials then quarantined the whole apartment. And, uh, and then the man, I believe, either he may have died, uh, but there were some concerns like, well, why, why did this reoccurrence occur? And uh, uh, they, so some, the article did say, well, maybe it's the. Chinese testing wasn't accurate, they're under pressure to release people before they're actually cured, Uh, or the third thing is that something changed in this virus that it it, uh, then reinfected, it mutated and it reinfected the the host, and um, so there was a study done looked at uh, the population of people who have been released they'd found that a hundred or so had these reoccurrence with the virus and so then the question is well did the virus then cause the host to be infectious again and uh, according to the article the answer was no that even though they had these low grade fevers uh, it didn't usually emerge into uh, pneumonia which was lethal but uh they just had a, a fever and they were not uh, they were not contagious uh, was the claim and so that that um, that observation was somewhat surprising and uh and should be watched and, and so uh, but you know when you look at how our bodies adapt to flu our bodies build Immune immune systems antigens that uh, identify the viruses and our body's immune system goes out and the macrophage kills them and um, you know that's a great thing those T cells we love them they're, they're they're necessary for our survival but as new viruses come along the body doesn't identify those viruses and they're those viruses are able to replicate and, uh, you know, take over a cell, replicate its material and create new viruses in the body. But, uh, so, our body is amazing in the sense that it knows how to fight viruses, but when new viruses come in, it, it doesn't identify them. So, you know, vaccinations are, are ways to help our body identify uh, these new viruses. You know, this is going back to the old days of microbiology. It was phenomenal. I can not even remember any of that. But uh, um, I always did pretty good in the class. I think I got an A, and I did get an A. And it was, it was interesting um, to see how biology works. And, and, um, and, you know, maybe I should pick up a biology book or more books on biology and study it. Because it is such a fascinating subject of, of how our bodies um, actually handle these foreign materials, and uh, it, was, it was kind of interesting how Trump uh, likened this this uh, virus to a foreign invasion. So, so we got to you know rally the troops. And I, I agree that there, there needs to be an intense focus on this and uh, you know, bring the best and brightest minds together and give them the resources they need to try to solve this problem. But you know, it's interesting if you solve the, the problem of the virus, do you solve the problem of cancer? And uh, so there's some interesting correlations there. Cancer is a multi-billion dollar business It has very expensive drugs that are used to slow the cancer it's remedial meaning that it doesn't actually cure the cancer it just slows the cancer and, uh, and then you have uh, you know you have the possibility that there's new uh, molecular therapies with stem cells that can kill cancer Help the body's body fight cancer and identify it, kill it. Because one of the big problems is that cancer cells are oxygen deficient. So if you can make the help the cell get stronger, then uh, it can fight the it can fight cancer by itself. Um, The the other thing that's good about cancer fighting is that there are um, things inside the cell that identify and turn on when uh, cancer is detected and it it dies, the cell dies and that's a natural mechanism because we always have tens of thousands of cancerous cells within us at any given time and the fact that the body's mechanism, I think it's a P59, turn on that uh, uh, identified that this is a, you know, a cell malfunctioning and then it just dies and those are, are the body's way of, of surviving uh, cancer in the body and so it would be interesting if there is a mechanism for identifying cells that are infected with the virus and uh, different medicines or can Be delivered to the site where the cancer or the virus is uh, flourishing, and then either kill the cell or or kill the virus. And most likely to have the body's immune system kill the the cell uh, or the virus. Have the somehow have it activated. so in the process of curing this virus, will we cure cancer? That's a huge question. Um, I've been really disappointed that the classic answer for cancer has been chemotherapy. And it, you look at it and you say, well, there's, there's cases where people have gone through chemotherapy and survived. So the, the first procedure is you do a surgery, remove the cancer out, uh, the tumor area, if it's uh, metastasizing, if it's through the whole system, then uh, then you know you're are trying to flood the system with basically a medicine that is destructive both to healthy cells and to uh, cancer cells in an attempt to reduce the growth of the cancer cells. So you reduce down your uh, cholesterol because cancer likes cholesterol. Cancer causes uh, cells to be oxygen deficient, so there's been ideas of peroxide therapies trying to uh, boost the oxygen in the body, uh, oxygen therapies to increase the amount of oxygen that the cells are, are carrying with them. Um, and then one of the other ones that was really interesting is using nano spheres that contain uh, Uh, chemo drugs and the nanospheres have uh, almost like a virus-like mechanism they attach to the cells of uh, cancer and then they release the medicine into the cell and uh, they found the reason they can do that is that they found that certain cancer cells have certain antigens uh, receptor site on the receptor sites that are different from healthy cells, and so they now uh, begin to target that those differences, and then have a mechanism through a nanosphere, gold nanospheres, which they can attach to those sites. And in one case, I saw what they do is they pass on an ultraviolet light, which heats up the sphere, and then that sphere that kills the the cancer cell. Um, And uh, that was done from MIT, and, you know, relatively good success. It wasn't uh, 100% success, but relatively good success. I think it was above the 60 percentile. And uh, you can study that research out. Um, But, yeah, you know, as far as I, I can see from the things that I've read and listened to, that basically cancer uh, fighting cancer today is not much better than it was 10 years ago. And, uh, and I, I really, if I got cancer, I'd be really scared. I I would not, I would not have a lot of confidence today that the chemotherapy would cure me. Now the stem cells, on the other hand, I feel like are a better therapy and, um, there, I watched uh, one YouTube where a man had eighty. He was stage four cancer. Had eighty percent of his body had cancer cells through it. Uh, so, so I think I believe it was some form of leukemia, and uh, and through a stem cell therapy uh, and a number of treatments, his body was able to cure itself, and uh, he was he was made healthy. And so that supported the idea that. Uh, boosting the body's immune system could assist in, in curing cancer. Uh, but you have to remember that there are many types of cancer. And each one of them have their own special therapies. You have uh, fatty tissue cancer, you have breast cancer, you have bone cancer, you have liver cancer, you have pancreatic cancer, uh, you have skin cancer, you have lung cancer, you have breast cancer. You know, these are all uh, these cancers are all different killers and uh, you know, working to find someone in uh, on ecology I guess is basically another name for cancer st- studies who specializes in that particular cancer is critical because if you have bone cancer you're going to treat it different than if you have uh, stomach cancer and uh, you know, stomach cancer is such a painful cancer, it's just uh, just uh, you, it, once you have it, uh, it, if you can cure it, you're, you're, you're a miracle. And uh, you know, one of the things that is interesting is the body's electrical system, you know, the nervous system, the sciatic nerves. Uh, you know, we have different control systems that our uh, body is electrical, and so if, if these control systems turn on. Uh, does it cause, in some people, because of their, their control system, does it cause cancer? And so, the, a lot of times, the, the doctors will ask you, you know, do you have a, a history of cancer? And, uh, and then, you know, there's something genetically predisposed towards having cancer. And so the question is, is what is that? You know, what is different from a person that doesn't get cancer? and can live to their 90s cancer free Uh, some cases they smoked and they uh, they drank and they did not have uh, metastasizing cancer and uh, so it it it, there is something genetic uh to the the cause of cancer and i imagine even with this virus that there are going to be some people who they're saying they have medical predispositions, are uh, their bodies or immune system is somewhat compromised, that are going to be susceptible to uh, to the virus. And so, taking precautions like making sure that uh, people in care centers are not visited by visitors and that they're uh, they're taken care of by staff are are going to be. Uh, so that they don't have this infection um, among them because their bodies are, you're older and and those little type of things can affect you. Um, So that's one of the things I I don't like about this is that I have lots of friends that are are older, they're in their 70s and I work at at the temple and, and I have lots of friends there and and so they're constantly washing their hands and making sure you know that uh, uh, good hygiene is kept. And, and uh, but if this virus attacks, it, it says that uh, you know it, it seems to affect men and older people uh, in the mortality rate higher than women. And I don't know why that is. That's interesting because uh, if you, I would think that the immune systems would be comparable but uh, it seems to have a higher mortality rate in men. I don't know if that's because men shake hands more frequently or uh, they touch their face more frequently, but uh, I don't know. There's, uh, you'd have to study the data on that to try to find a correlation. And even then, uh, you know, how would you gather that data? Uh, So would uh, machines be, you know, gathering this with the deep learning, being watching people's behaviors? public areas and uh, and then you know, looking for signal on on how uh, frequent people are touching their face and then you know, build a histogram and, and try to make uh, you know some classifications based on on a particular behavior that they're looking for. and uh, you know those are those are questions for data scientists to figure out and they probably are looking at that they're probably Video and trying to understand behavior patterns that could lead to the spread of, of, uh, of the disease. But uh, so where are we where do we go from here? So what? What about and that's a good question. So what? Uh, what does this mean? Well, I think what it means is that the people are going to be working remote. Um, I talked to another friend and he told me that his boss told him that. Uh, take the computers home and and, uh, everyone would be working remote and uh, you know they would punch in their time uh, remotely and so you know this uh, home isolation is going to be uh, a trend wherever possible. I heard that Utah that they're asking people not to assemble in groups greater than a hundred and to ask employers where possible to allow Those are those are important measures. Um, now, one thing that I don't understand is this huge move to grab uh, essentials like toilet paper. And the, the question was as well, if you were quarantined, you know, what would be the, the thing that you would need the most, and, and uh, how much would you need it? And, and, um, the, I imagine if you were house-ridden for four months that you would want to have a lot of toilet paper. You, know, uh, you might have food supply, but you're gonna run out of toilet paper within maybe a month, or two weeks, or a week. You know, depending on what your shopping pattern is. Everyone's in a shopping pattern where they're buying things probably every two weeks based on your paycheck. So I know for us, we we do uh, food purchase once a, every two weeks or so, and, and we have different things we buy on, a, on the two-week cycle, and that's based on our paycheck. We get paid every two weeks. And so, um, there seems to be a lot of hoarding of things like wood paper products and, and cleaning things, but uh, they I saw some uh, pictures where shelves were cleared out and, and uh, you know, there's, there were a lot of things where I've told my wife, you know, let's, let's just do pickup. You know, why run the risk of going into the store uh, where there's lots of people who may or may not be contaminated, just do pickup and, uh, you know, really evaluate whether or not we need those products that we can't pick up uh, and do uh, Amazon delivery. Prime. I think Prime is great. I would buy everything through Prime. Make sure that, you know, Read your customer reviews, and, uh, and then uh, make your purchases through Prime. The prices on Amazon should be comparable to Best Buy, or to uh, if you're buying electronics, you know, or if you're buying uh, uh, consumer items, soaps. Uh, you know, you know the brand products that you like, and you're not shopping around. Set them up. You know, you know how much uh, you you need, and uh, what schedule you're going to need to make the order, and you, know, you have two-day delivery if, or four-day delivery, whatever it takes. But uh, you know, it doesn't make sense in this environment to go out into public areas if unnecessary. So uh, you know, for myself, church has been canceled. they are not going to church. Uh, I, I go contact people that I in my church that. Uh, and ask them how they're doing. Do they have food? Do they have medicine? You know, find out how they're doing. And so this is a nice thing. There's a community effort, and uh, a community needs to be there. You know, this isolation is not me versus you. It should be, you know, we're working together. We're sharing information, just like we do in team environments. We connect, Uh, we we make, uh, we share information and uh we talk honestly when possible and um you know the laws may change where you can't talk honestly about things and so uh, those would be cases where you're gagged and you need to be careful on those situations but uh you know i i feel like that uh, there's a lot of disinformation on this coronavirus i've been trying to sort through what's real and what's not and uh, Talked to a lot of smart people, and, and uh, there's a lot of disequilibrium. There isn't an agreement on on, uh, on the seriousness of this uh, this, of this uh, uh, pandemic, and uh, and I, I would not be surprised if it, when they declared it as a pandemic, it should have been declared as an epidemic uh, immediately. And I think that uh, the sooner that the WHO realizes the air that they need that this will this will heighten the intensity, Um, and so we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, exponential growth is follows Moore's law, and so that I would say you have to change your way of thinking when you think about exponential growth because things do not happen on a linear basis; they happen suddenly, and. as i've talked to my daughter about the properties of exponential growth um, she was kind of surprised too as she's been watching this data and she said yeah it just seemed like it got bad all over the sudden just immediately you know like one minute there's only a few cases and the next it's like there's hundreds and thousands of cases and you know this exponential growth uh, explains that behavior